0: we got a big podcast for you this week. Five games to recap. We have uh, game highlights from Seton Hall, Cal Poly, and LMU. And then we have interviews with Ivan Bredauer and Brock Mortensen. Then, sit down with pitching coach Dylan Jones for about 40 minutes to talk about the pitching staff, which has been outstanding so far this year through 15 games. Then we have the draft with UCSB analytics and a little bit at the end about the world baseball classic that's coming up on the gaucho nine podcast. Today's episode is being brought to you by our great friends at Kyle's kitchen, proud supporters of UCSB baseball providing pregame meals to the gauchos once again in 2023, check them out at any of their three locations in Santa Barbara or Goleta. Shout out Kyle's kitchen hit on in, get a burger, get a drink and say hi to Kyle. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America. The Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. Here's the one-strike pitch, and Mitchell belts the deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. And curly pulls back the home run, and the Gauchos are going to win the game. Gauchos are going to Omaha, can you believe it? Borgonio is back. He's going to turn and watch this one fly. A two-run homer for Claussen. The score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's gonna score. willets will make the catch. And the Gauchos are 2022, Big West champions! Noise oh, telling the change-up because the the head of the batter usually kind of whips around. One-two. Another change swung on and missed. Three straight changeups to McNelly. And Gutierrez gets him on the Tony Ortiz. He has flown out and he is lined out. And Gutierrez will throw to first. They got the runner picked off as D'Amico was leaning. And Gutierrez picks off another base runner. We know he's got a good move. And D'Amico not ready for that one.
1: Now a catcher, number seven, Aaron
2: Parker.
0: Hey, Ernesto's here. Bringing the energy. Maybe that'll wake up the bats here. Parker hit by pitches last time. Doubled in the third. Flew out to center in the first. He is one for two. Here's Piero's pitch. And this is lined right center. That's going to get down. It's going to tie this game. Newman heading to third. They're going to hold him there on a double by Parker. Now the ball gets away from the cutoff man. Here comes Newman. He's going to score. And UCSB takes the lead on a double by Aaron Parker. It'll probably be a throwing error of some kind as the throw coming in was mishandled on the edge of the infield grass. And just like that, UCSB takes the lead. And it's Aaron Parker who delivers with a two out run scoring double. There's the windup and the payoff. Fastball strike three called outside corner, 94 miles an hour again. And Nick Welch, indeed, comes back and strikes out Vieira. And we'll go to the bottom of the eighth inning. Gauchos leading 2-1. to one. Couple of strikeouts, and he is bouncing to a fielder's choice. And he hits it on the ground to second. Oakley is going to come home. Parker drops the tag in, and they get D'Amico. What a great play by Oakley, no hesitation. And a good tag there by Parker. Barrett calm and composed, steps up on the rubber, peers in for the sign, set below the belt. The 0-2 to Clyde. Fastball line to right, moving over, and back is Williams, and he makes the catch. And Hudson Barrett secures the win for the Gauchos as he strands runners at second and third. He did not allow a run against Xavier until the seventh inning. 0-2 was swung on and missed, and King down on strikes. Third strikeout for Eger, who's gone six up and six down here against Cal Poly on this Sunday afternoon. Game one of the doubleheader. No score as we go to the third inning. No hits,
3: no errors, no runners left on base.
0: Count is one and two. And West into the plate. Here's a little soft liner over second. That's going to be a base hit. Nunez rounding third. He's going to come home and score. And Jonas Sebring. Drives in a run here in the third inning. Santa Barbara takes a one-nothing lead. Oh, and one the count. And Ivan hits a towering drive to left field. Villegas is gonna turn and watch it fly. A three run Homer for Bread Hour. And the gauches have a big number here in the fourth inning. A three run shot. Makes it six nothing. Another payoff. Fastball, strike three called at the knees inside corner. So Carter goes back to that spot. Stafford took it, and Benbrook gets the call. That's out number two. Ivan, he's in the podcast in the hardest hit segment. He's routinely been in the top five every week. 0-2, breaking ball, hammered to left, high and deep. Villegas will turn and watch this one fly again. A two-homer game for Ivan Bredauer. And the Gouchers get two runs back. It's 8-4. to four. Williams, a leadoff double. About at second base, nobody out. And Rodriguez to the plate. And this is hammered out to right center. No one's going to get this one. Williams should score easily from second base. Darby heading in there as he slides in with a run scoring double back to back. Two baggers for Santa Barbara here in the top of the ninth. And they lead it 9-4. to four. Seven hits in the bottom three spots in the order for the Gauchas today. 3 and 2 to Kirtley. Fastball drilled to left center. Villegas looking up. He's going to watch it fly. Two-run homer for Kirtley, and it's 11 to 4. Really good collegiate pitcher, Logan Denholm. 0-1 to Parker. Pulled into left field. That's a base hit. Oakley will score to get the Gauchas on the board. It's 4 to 1. First pitch to Morty, hit in the air, left field line. A long run for Stafford, and it's gonna sail over the fence for a three-run homer. What do you know? (laughs) Brock Mortensen with a three-run homer to tie things up here in the third, wow. Second homer of the year. And I think Brock is just as surprised as I am. Because, uh, I mean, it just got up there. It stayed fair. And it just continued to carry over the short, uh, the shortest part of the yard. 335 down that left field line. Wind probably helping him out a bit. 2-2 pitch. Break a ball on the ground. Sharply hit to short. Nunez to second. Oakley the turn to first, a double play, 6-4-3. What a great double play by Nunez and Oakley, and a good stretch by Trimble at first, and that gets the Gauchos out of the jam. Nicely done to keep this a 4-4 game as we go to the fourth here at San Luis Obispo. So first and second, one out, here's Brettauer. walking a hit by pitch so far in game two. And he drives this out to left center, moving over and back. He steals. It's up over his head against the wall. Hernandez is going to have to hustle. Here comes the relay. It is not in time. RBI double Hour. Gauchos take the lead. I mean, an absolute rocket off the bat of Ivan Hour. It got to the wall so quickly that there was a play at the plate with Nunez coming in from second base. Here's the first pitch to Mortensen, and he hits a base hit to center field. Into score is Bredauer. They're waving Darby around. Here comes the throw from Steels. It's offline. Two-run single Mortensen, and the Gouches have doubled the lead. It's 8-4. to 12-4 winners this afternoon in game one. 8-4 to the score here in the bottom of the ninth in game two. Hudson Barrett, the true freshman, trying to get his first collegiate win. Swipes, and he's ready. The 1-2 pitch is swung on and missed. Stafford down on strikes. Hudson Barrett slams the door. Gauchos win this one 8-4. to four. Barrett with six strikeouts and three innings of relief. He gets his first collegiate win. Gauchos go to 11-3 on the season. Infield, Nunez in the hole, at short. Here's the 1-2. Fastball hit back through the middle. Behind the bag is Oakley. He's going to run to the bag, throw to first, and it's picked out by McCollum. A 4-3 double play here in the bottom of the first. Gets Bremner out of the frame. Both teams go scoreless in the first. We'll go to the second. Nothing, nothing. Oakley waiting for Galicia. Works on the first base side of the rubber. And the pitch is drilled to right center. Hit very well. Blau and Arnellis are looking up, and this one is out of here. A towering home run for Nick Oakley, his first of the year. And that gives the Gouches a 2 0 lead. Came to the game 372. And he hammers this to left, high and deep. Will it get over the wall? Biller looking up, and it's up into the netting. A two run homer for Parker. Doubles the lead for Santa Barbara. It's 4-0. A double and a homer here off of Will Grimm. Gouches have a pair of two-run homers. Quickly back to work here. The 1-2 to Nicoluk. Fastball right down Broadway. That is strike three called. Two strikeouts in the inning for Bremner. And he's got seven for the game. He's through five, having allowed just the two runs. He's got a five run lead. It's seven to two. Gauchos. Ahead, right, ahead, right goes- Still balling two strikes. Two out opportunity for Santa Barbara. Cementi to the plate. Breaking ball. This is driven to center. Going back is Ornellis. It's over his head, all the way to the wall. Kirtley scores. Mortensen scores. Sebring hustling to third. Slides in head first with a two-run triple. Gouches get two runs back to make it 9 to 5. Currently lead by three. One and two again to Bredauer. Hammered to left. Will it get up over the wall? Yes, sir. A three-run monster home run from Ivan Bredauer. And the Gouches have three more runs to make it 12 to 6. And right now, Brenauer swinging a hot stick last weekend. Here's a change hit slowly to second, charging his trimble, scoops it up, throws to McCollum. And Ellie Gallegos pitches a 1-2-3 ninth inning and closes the door here on this one. Counts win it 13-6. All right, we are at Page Stadium in LA and we haven't returned to regularly scheduled programming yet, but uh, we're playing baseball games, and that's the most important thing. And I'm standing here with Ivan Bredauer, who had a big day yesterday, and he's had some big moments already uh, this year, and first time talking to him for uh, the radio, and this will be on the podcast, of course, but Ivan, uh, you look great in a gaucho uniform. How's it feel to be a gaucho? Feels great, man. Love
4: the change of scenery. I love it in Santa Barbara.
0: What's like? What's like? One thing that has stood out to you, being in Santa Barbara, uh, since you got here? Oh
4: man, coaching staff. I love working with Ferg. It's so nice to be understood and have someone to talk to you about
0: hitting that's as good as him. So Ferg's, uh he brings—he brings the energy, doesn't he?
4: Absolutely, man.
0: <laughs> anything, um, anything that he's talked about—that's been like abstract or something that's been like, like, what are you talking about? I've never heard that before.
4: You know, I think. Uh, Something that I've been working on with him, you know, Ferg does so well is he caters to the individual. So it's like, so he actually understands each of us individually. So what I've really been working on is just trying to separate everything and stay present, um, making every single pitch its own individual moment and uh, just going and competing for that, you know. I'm not trying to make it too complicated.
0: I like that. But, yeah. I like that. Well, it's, it's like simplifying things, keeping Absolutely. keeping a singular focus. That's, that's the that's, genius. That's good. That's, yeah. Yeah. So four home runs so far, and they've all been big ones. Like, yes, we'll start with yesterday, recency bias. Two homers in uh, game one against Cal Poly. First time playing. Well, no, you you guys played there in the fall. I we wasn't there. Ball. Yeah. So you, you're used to that setting a little bit, but uh, talked to me about the home runs yesterday because you were over two going into the first one yeah, It was a uh, it was still a tight game, right? I think it was two to nothing or three to nothing, right? And you had a couple runners on you you got jammed in your first at-bat uh, And it was still against West and the lefty so it had that feel coming off the bat What were you thinking Nate,
4: that he'd be you know both of the both the first two bats? I uh, you got me out on that slider right there, so you know, it was, nice, it was nice. going over the wall on that same pitch in the third at bat. You know, I just try to just try to take the information from the first two and just erase them and then go and attack the next one. It worked out pretty well. So.
0: And what about what about the second one?
4: Yeah, it was great.
0: Um, it was a righty, right?
4: It was a righty breaking ball. It was a righty two strike breaking ball. I just hung it up in the zone. Just got just got the barrel to it. Poked it over the wall. Uh, it was really nice. Gave us a little bit of a, a little bit of a cushion going on because they came back a little bit. I remember. So, yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah.
0: And your first homer of the, of the year, of course, was back against uh, Minnesota, which tied the game after the Gauchos lost the lead. And then the Grand Slam uh, at Oregon, which was which was a big one to put the game out of reach. So, you hit some, you, you pick good spots to hit your home runs uh, so far, which is good. Let's keep that going. Let's keep it going. Um, let's see. Talk to me about uh, Olathe, Kansas. Because uh, you come here, we don't get too many out of state players, at least coming from the Midwest. We've had a few. Right. Uh, in the past, we don't get too many, uh, and by way of Arizona State, so it's it's a different way of, of making it here to the Gauchos, but uh, well, uh, boost your, uh, your hometown here. Like, what's Olathe like?
4: Oh, man. Uh, Kansas is everything, man. It's like everything at once. It's was, everything, all, right? All the seasons at once, yeah. So, uh, no, I, I've really fallen in love with the West Coast, man, so I, I, I love it out here, and you know all the best all the best to kansas city but i, I really love it in santa barbara now. chiefs fan absolutely sure. Royal, royals yeah. fan
0: yes sir okay so you guys are super bowl champions we are patrick mahomes is that your is that your guy, Travis Kelsey. guy.
4: You, you know what I, I don't watch a lot of football but chiefs are pretty hard to pretty hard to uh, root against so. have
0: you been to arrowhead i have not i have not been to Arrowhead. i have not what I, about uh,
4: you don't want to put that on the podcast man <laughs>
0: No, that's okay. There's there's still time. Look, you've been focused on your baseball career. There
4: you go. And there you go. I've been to Coffin plenty of times. There we go. Plenty of times. There we go. And yeah. like you said, you're a baseball guy. Absolutely. So,
0: Coffin Stadium is is pretty cool uh, oh, yeah. in itself. Like do you go do you, you sit out in the bleachers where the where the water is? Like they got those fountains out there. Oh, it's yeah. kind of cool.
4: It's so nice, man. It's always it's always misting. You know, you go to a hot one during the summer, it's like 100 and yeah. humid. You just sit there You get misted by the fountains. It's, yeah. it's nice, man. That's Great awesome. place to watch a game.
0: That's awesome. Well, Let's see. Seton Hall Thursday at home, then two days without baseball, rain, Pal Poly yesterday, LMU down here today. Uh, what's the mindset? Last question, just the mindset coming in.
4: You know, same thing, same thing as I talked about before. You know, uh, the, all those things are out of our control. You know, rain is it's going to happen. There's going to be stuff like that throughout the season. We just got to be, be where our feet are and adjust accordingly. So, you know, if a game gets canceled, we just completely wash it and then just, just step into the next one and be be there for that one. That's all we can do, you know, control the controllables.
0: Okay. Um, hopefully uh, you sense a couple off that big wall out there and left today. Absolutely. All right. Good luck. Let's go for it. Yeah. Thanks Ab. Yeah, thanks, Kev. Sweet. All right, it's Brock Mortensen. Brock, I was – I don't know who was more surprised yesterday that that home run went over the fence. Was it Ferg or Cal Poly or you or me? Because I don't think anybody expected to go over the fence.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it might have been me, honestly. Uh, out of all the home runs I've hit here, I think that one was definitely the most surprising. Like, I had no idea that was going to go out. I thought it was just way over the cage, like strike one. I hit it, and I didn't even run out of the box. It was first pitch. It was yeah, first pitch. first pitch. I hit it. I didn't even run out of the box. I was like, oh, it's just foul or it's caught. And I looked up, and the ball was staying fair. And I was like, oh, like that could drop because the outfield was shifted over so far. And I don't know how it went over, but it did. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it any way I could get Do you remember what you did rounding the bases? Cause yeah, a shoulder shrug because I, I still don't know how it went over.
0: <laughs> the dugout sure got a kick out of it. Yeah. And, and of course, it was a big one because it tied the game. So... Maybe not your biggest home run that you hit, but like, what did that do to to fuel the dugout because Scouts were down early and that tied things up early in the game?
1: Uh, I think it was definitely a confidence booster. I mean, for me personally, it was a confidence booster, but I mean... It was kind of a blackout moment, cause I came into the dugout and uh, I didn't even know how many people were on base or anything like that. And I realized the game was tied, and I was like, "Well, now like we're just right back in it. Like, like let's it, go." Yeah, we're, uh, it was a good feeling to know that like okay, it's just a new ball game now. And after that moment, I'm pretty sure like I felt that we were gonna be able to run away with it. And we did. I'm
0: pretty sure your next at bat, you hit another one.
1: That down reaction. that left field line yeah. that actually went on the cages. it did i heard uh, somebody in the stands after i found it off they were just like he's gonna do it again and it didn't happen they're
0: awesome well that was a big moment yesterday helped the gauchos uh, to the comeback win eight to four and uh down here at lmu yep uh one prediction for the game today uh
1: just good game out of the gauchos uh good approaches at the plate good pitching out of brem uh, I think we'll be good. It could be sneaky, coldest game of the year. Could be. So Could be. We've been to cold well, ones here. I'll be layered out, but I think the Gouchels will be ready to play today. All right. Love it. All good luck out there. Thank you.
0: All right. He is Coach Jones, DJ assistant coach of the gauchos, Dylan Jones, uh, working with the pitchers with coach Chekets and I've been been saving this until this is after week 4 and I would joke about it with you and I, we talked about it before we started recording but I I like want to keep the all the pitching stuff a secret. I just I feel like I I don't want to put it out there in the ether about how good the gaucho pitching staff has been so far this year and we've focused a lot on the hitting and like the hitting's been great and it's it's flashy when you hit home runs and all that good stuff but it's also flashy when you get strikeouts and you throw all kinds of consecutive scoreless innings and all that stuff so it's time to talk some pitching because the arms have been great and I want to hear what you have to say for uh, the gaucho pitchers but first of all uh welcome back to the pod and coming off of a, a great week where the Gaussers went 5 and 0 oh, so just trying to get where your headspace is at cuz you've got a baby on the way you're on the recruiting trail and we've been driving all over the place and rescheduling games so where's your headspace at dill cuz uh you know care about you
2: um well i'm currently i just got done with a, a daycare visit seeing if we can get in there so uh, I got that box checked today. Um, I'm currently at the field watching it rain and pour. So I'm kind of figuring out how you're going to get the field ready for us uh, for the weekend. That's number two. Um, got a few bullpens today, and then going to be making calls and jumping on a couple of zooms tonight. So gonna gonna check all those boxes today. But um, I think I'm in a good place. It helps to win. It helps to win. <laughs>
0: Does help to win, <laughs> especially uh, play three life games, life. play three games in two days, in <clears throat> two different places. So it's yeah, it's it's been a it's been a wild ride through the first fifteen games of the season. And I
2: think I, I, think I looked at Hawkeye about the eighth inning yesterday in the dugout, and I said, I can't believe we played two games at Cal Poly
0: yesterday, and now that now we're here, <laughs> right. Pretty quick turnaround. <clears throat> my my thing to start it was uh in my interview with Brett Hour, I said uh, we're still not back to regular scheduled programming, <laughs> right? None, none of this none of this was planned ahead of time. Uh, the the Cal Poly games and not playing in Seton Hall and then uh going to LMU, move the game up, all that stuff. So it's been a it's it's been it's been fun, and it helps when you're it helps when you're twelve and three, uh, and it helps when you're really getting some results on the mound. So, let's start with some of the big things that I've written down. Gouches did have a streak of eight games where they allowed two runs or fewer. And that was the Oregon games, the Xavier games, Pepperdine, and Seton Hall. So, that's good. It's it's pretty makes it easier to win games when you only allow two runs or less. And as of March eighth, the the stats on the NCAA website haven't been updated yet. As of March March eighth, Gouch is a two point six eight team ERA that was through eleven games, which was good for eleventh in the nation. After fifteen, it's down it's it's gone down just a little bit or up I guess uh, two point eight four still very strong. Um, and should be in the in the top class uh, of teams but like what is it what have you seen from your guys so far like are they executing stuff that you guys have been working on I just I'm the pitching thing it's it's so much harder for me to talk about it than hitting I don't know what it is but what have you seen from the guys so the starters have been great the bullpen has been outstanding um, and the new guys are starting to figure out uh, some of the things in their roles. So what have you seen?
2: Yeah, I think a, a big part of it is that uh, we've been getting some quality starts from our, our, our starting rotation, guys going deep into the games, guys shutting it down and um, giving the offense a chance to, to do some things early and, and take the pressure off them. Um, and our bullpens come in and done, done a really good job, you know, uh, I think Goody's kind of settled into his role as a, as a Friday guy. I think the team feeds off that and then it's, it's kind of crazy, but you know, we get, get even better with Ager on Saturday and um, Reed's a pretty good freshman to have on Sunday. Um, but the bullpen guys have been really, really exciting. I, 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 if you've seen any of our games, you know that we got a couple lefties in the bullpen, little, little angry and, and a little exciting. Um, so that's, that's kind of fun to have back there. Um, ben Brooks been, Obviously, a big piece to have back in that thing, and um, guys like Hudson Barrett, who, who, who's a freshman, who just he just loves being in those situations. Um, you know, Nick Welch has been lights out so far, kind of kind of unreal with with how he's been doing and um, really filling it up and and throwing the the hammer of a curveball. And Brady's been been great. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of guys back there. You know, it's fun to see Elliot get in there yesterday and get some some lefties to jump out of the way on that change up which was pretty cool um I think we got good stuff I think we got good stuff on the mound um from top to bottom um so I think that helps is, is having some stuff on the mound but I, I think our composure has got a lot better um in in those moments and I think part of that is we had to deal with our lineup for all fall and into winter and it's a good lineup and we had to really figure out who we were if we wanted to not get beat up in practice. And we took that into a kind of hit the ground running when we hit the season and kind of kept the ball rolling on that front. But um, there's been a lot going on as far as, uh, you know, all those uh, cliche coaches things of we'll play anywhere, anytime. And and it doesn't matter what the weather's like or, or who the opponent is. We've had to scramble a lot this year to find games because I guess it rains in California every once in a while. Um, but going to Oregon and, and and keeping up there, um, after going Arizona, Eugene, Santa Barbara back to Eugene, it it was kind of crazy. And I thought the guys handled it well. And, um, I think the, the, you know, the adversity, the, the chaos that we've had in this early season is going to be really good as we get into league play and, you know, hopefully the tail end of the season when, when, um, we're we're battle tested, um, and and that's kind of an exciting, exciting thing that we've been able to handle it and and have success with with all the chaos that's been going on so far uh, so far this early season.
0: A couple of things to pull out of that. I'll start with the recent thing that you said the uh, the adversity and in in teams that I've been a part of in the past, I feel like teams gel uh, a lot quicker and and maybe better. It either goes one way or the other you either you either go farther apart or you get closer together uh, in yeah. runs like this where you have to spend unexpected time on a plane or on a bus or you have to do tarp pull uh, a few times because we we pulled the tarp for for seat uh, for Xavier, right That was the first time the tarp had been pulled out of the corner in three years It hadn't been pulled <laughs> since 2020 so and the tarp pull stuff, and then trying to push the water off before we tried to play against Seton Hall, like the stuff where you kind of have to work together and do something different and pitchers and hitters are, you know, we're not doing baseball things. We're trying to get organized and figure out how to get water off the tarp uh, in a in an efficient manner that there's this certain things that build these bonds with the players. And I think the early part of the season has really helped to do that because of the scheduling and adjusting and going on the road and pulling the tarp and all this stuff. So I think that's been good. Hey, okay. the second thing is uh, the Oregon series. So we didn't, I didn't get to talk about it a ton, Uh, but outscored the ducks 20 to three in those three games. And <clears throat> there was a point in the series in the double header when it felt like Oregon had nothing to cheer about Dugout or or fans that were there, and there were some noisy fans there for like a four hour stretch in that doubleheader. Because I think they got a couple runners on, were rallying early when it was still a game in game one, and then were shut out in that game. And then we had to wait to start game two, and then they didn't really get anything going until like the middle innings. I think it was like a double or something, and. I was surprised on the broadcast because I totally forgot that Oregon was playing baseball. Like I'm, it's, it's just the reality of what was going on that day where the Gaucha pitchers were so efficient and they were shutting things down. Like Bremner was lights out in, in that relief appearance. So that was a kind of an eye opener. And so going back to what you said about having to face the Gaucho lineup, which is starting to flex its muscle here uh, over the last three games, Cal Poly, and LMU. And you never really know what you're going to get until you actually are playing other teams because you're just, you're just butting heads with each other in the fall. And when I was talking with Ferg and Erty, you know, they were kind of like, I don't know what we got offensively. Like pitchers have been shutting us down. And now we get to see that the hitters are legit because they've been tested by the pitchers and the pitchers. Are starting to show their prowess because they had to face a tough lineup so it's we're starting to reap the benefits of playing each other so much in the fall so do i want to have something pull out of this like what what am i going where am i going here uh save me here dill
2: I, I i would say that you know uh... A, a lot of that goes into, you know, you, you have to go back, be battle tested against somebody else um, for us to really believe. But, uh, you know, I I, I give credit to, to Clayton Hall a little bit. Um, there was a stretch late fall, early winter, where he was like, he kept asking me, do, do you think, do you, do you think that the, the guys and, and the staff knows how good we are? And I go, I don't know, man, it's, we're pretty good. He goes, I know, but do you think they really, do you, do you think they really believe that? They know. Um yeah. Do they know? Do they do they actually know and believe and trust in that? And, um, you know, uh, to, to Clayton Hall's credit, you know, he he kind of sparked that and got us talking about it. And, you know, I think it's obviously helps to go out and have success right away and and and, and show it. Um, but I think that that just the ability to do it against our hitters and then go out and do it against a good team like Oregon. Um, you know, a good team like Cal Poly, we played some good. You know, Xavier is going to be really good. Um, I, I think that doing it against somebody else always helps, and getting the, a, a W on the end of that helps. Um, but I think that there's starting to be a real belief that, you know, as I said before, anywhere, anytime, or whatever the weather is, or maybe we'll, we'll, we'll go f- play a doubleheader in, in a couple days and change the location. But um as long as we do what we do and, and execute our game it's it's gonna be tough, and then our guy's got some good stuff to to show for it
0: so let's talk about some individuals. Let's go Mikey Gutierrez because he's pitching in the first game on the weekends, and traditionally that's that's who you harp on when you talk about college baseball and pitching Is all right, who's pitching on Friday? Who's pitching on Friday? like got to some pretty good Friday arms and goody's he's just he's, he's so. Soft spoken and goes about his business, and sometimes you don't really notice him. Uh I mean, it's different for me because I'm running around doing a bunch of different things, but like he's the starters don't show up when everybody else shows up and they're kind of hanging out, getting warmed up, and then oh, all of a sudden, all right, they're on the mound, so they're pitching. So Goody's been outstanding. Two and one, two point zero one ERA, 30 strikeouts, seven walks. And when you say set the tone for the weekends. And you're probably talking about that with the rest of your staff. Like, what do you mean by setting the tone? What has Michael been doing to set the tone?
2: I think that, you know, at at home, it's that first inning of going out and attacking. It's it's it's
0: putting the pressure
2: on the other team. Um, it's it's figuring out how to get their hitters out, it's it's giving our, our offense a chance to um to settle in and and hit off their Friday guy, which is always hard. Um, you know, kind of the, the one versus one battle. on um, kind of bringing some emotion, some, some energy and it's not, you know, outright or beating his chest, you know, as some guys do, but, um, it's kind of a laser like focus that we're on a mission to go out and, and, and win this weekend and, and go win a series. And, um, I'm going to do everything in my power to to get us there. And, you know, it doesn't mean he's going to be perfect, but he's going to do everything in his power and his control to to kind of get the ball rolling and, and get us in the right direction um, for that weekend series.
0: And then Ager, who's pitching behind Mr. Gutierrez on the weekends, he's been he was racking up strikeouts early, and he had a stretch where he had. Uh, a number of, of scoreless innings because he went six scoreless against Oregon and then six scoreless against Xavier before giving up the the couple home runs. And uh, Coach Bronsma, former Coach Bronsma, who was with me on the the broadcast, was talking about Matt's sequencing and how he, he really noticed a difference between last year and this year on how Matt has been able to sequence his breaking ball to to pair with his slider. Because he's he's a big guy. He throws hard. He's coming right down at you. And he noticed right away on how effective he has been uh, with sequences, his pitching. Is that something that you have noticed as well?
2: Yeah, I, I, definitely. Um, I think his slider's gotten really good. I think his fastball command's gotten a lot better. Obviously, the velo's ticked up um, since last year. Um, but, you know, I, I think one of those things that Matt makes Maddie so good is he's always trying to find ways to get better. You know, after his his freshman fall, he came in. We're like, eh, we don't know what this guy's going to be. Um, and he came back with a, with a lights-out slider. And then we said, you know, after winter break this year or after fall this year, you know, we're like, yeah, man, he's got a chance to start. But, you know, does he have enough pitches? Is, is, is a fastball slider enough? And he comes back and he's – now he's got a fastball slider curveball and a changeup. Um, and I think that allows him to get through um, – get through the order multiple, multiple times, you know, th- that third time through he starts throwing curve balls and uh, mixing in a change up here and there. And guys don't know what to do I mean, and how to approach an at bat. They don't feel comfortable. Um, and I think that's something that's really benefited him, but that's also a lot of credit to him of just working and trying to find ways to get better. You know, <laughs> I walk by him and catch play now. And he's always like, Hey, check out my splitter, check out my knuckleball. And I'm like, well, let's just make sure those four are right first. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if another one comes uh, someday, but um, he wants to be really, really good. And he works like he wants to be really, really good. Um, and I think a lot of that uh, work has come to, to lead to some success on the mound this year. And, and it's been a good start for him and, and really excited about um, what's to come for him.
0: The other two stars that we've seen, Reed Mooring and Tyler Bremner. If you take away their first starts, their numbers are are off the charts, and so you know you can expect a freshman in their first collegiate start at a at a big league ballpark against a a big opponent to be a little nervy, and so that's what we saw a little bit. But they have really really responded and responded really well. Because Reed's two and zero, Bremner's two and one. Uh, Tyler's been a strikeout machine. He's been a strike thrower. He's been electric and, and Reed has, has been really good pitching in, in game three of the weekends. And it's been some good competition between them because I think they're, they're probably Tyler probably wants to pitch on Sundays or on the weekends. And Reed wants to hang on to that spot. And that's something that's, that's that you want to have. You want to have some competition on who's filling roles, but uh, you, you talked about him briefly a little bit uh, earlier, but, Reed and Bremner I mean they've been as advertised um pitching in their first year and what have you seen from them yeah I, I think that
2: I'll chalk up Reed's first one to being a little bit of, uh what'd you what'd you call it there
0: nervy nervy
2: he was a little nervy there that, that first one and then I think he, he kind of went oh yeah I, I do belong I'm supposed to be here I am good and um I think he's been been pretty good since then and I thought Bremner was not nervy at all. I think he got dinked to death kind of that, that game and they were finding holes here and there. And, um, I think they were all singles that hit off him, but you know, I, what, I think we've talked about it before, but what is he 25 or two right now? Struck out strike out to walk. Correct. Um, attack. He's going to fill it up. And, um, you know, I, I still don't think that he knows how good he can really be. Um, but it's nice. You know, he's, he's been learning a lot. He's been growing a lot. And, um, I think he's going to be a big piece of of what we're doing moving forward, and to have two guys, young guys in the rotation, um, and and starting off so well is really exciting for for this year. It's exciting for the future uh, of what we got going.
0: Yeah, and Bremner. So after Oregon State, he went twelve scoreless innings, three against Oregon, six against Pepperdine, three in his start yesterday against LMU. So twelve scoreless. Uh, bouncing back from that that Oregon State appearance, and he was efficient uh, against Pepperdine to 69 pitches in six innings, nine strikeouts, and he had seven strikeouts uh, in five innings yesterday against LMU. So that segues to the bullpen because didn't get superb starts from Ager and Mooring on Sunday against Cal Poly, but the bullpen went 12 scoreless innings in those two games. So we played 18 total innings against Cal Poly and twelve scoreless out of the pen, which was a big reason why Gotchas were able to make the comeback in game two and hold off uh the Cal Poly attack in game one. And so that was Benbrook, Rice, DeCuman, Welch, and Barrett, uh, in those two games. I mean Carter Benbrook coming off injury, he's been spectacular. It's just been so fun to have him back. Would you not agree? agree. Yeah, <laughs> agree. <would> agree. <laughs> what do you got? What so Benbrook, like what kind of energy does he bring? Because he's he's a veteran presence. He's pitched out of the pen before. And, you know, I think his 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 stuff is really rubbing off on, on other guys. And I think and Barrett, he's a he's a pretty you mentioned it earlier, but he's Kind of a good comparison and contrast too from, from Carter, because he's, you know, they're both left handed. They have the same kind of uh, bulldog attitude, but they they bring different. Different things to the table as far as pitch repertoire.
2: Yeah. I, I think one thing that's nice about Carter is that he I, I generally never have to tell him, hey, let's go get ready. By the time I'm ready to say, let's get going, he's usually, you know, five pitches away and saying, put me in the game. Um, so I, I think that that's really good um, out of the bullpen. He, he's another guy that he wants the big moments and the big situations. And um, I think that his stuff is is pretty, pretty unique in what he's doing. And it's, it's uh, he's got four pitches for strikes and, 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 and he's got a real competitive attitude um you know i i think Barris the same way you know you might throw a little harder both got really good change ups little, little, good little sliders um really thrived in the moment and and really want um the the game on the line they want the game on the line that's where they hold their composure and i think that like you said it rubs off on other guys um and, and it's infectious when, when you see other people do it around you and you feel like, oh, yeah, I can do that too. Um, so it, it, it's been – those guys have been lights out and outstanding with what they've done so far.
0: Well, yeah, and Carter, like, he's already had some big moments. He had the the one-pitch double play against Oregon. It was his only appearance of the weekend. Got two outs. And then – I think we scored three or four after that too. So uh-huh. a big moment to get back in, in our dugout. Uh-huh. And then, and then against Cal Poly, you know, is shutting things down, coming in and just, and just dousing the flames. Uh, you know, knows how to pitch in big spots, as you mentioned. And then Barrett, like Hudson got a win and a save uh, over the week. He pitched four innings, didn't allow a hit or a run, struck out seven, walked one. Uh, those are, you know, pitcher of the week type numbers when you get a win and a save. And... You know, that, come out, oh go ahead. I think like on uh Sunday in his in his appearance against Cal Poly, you know, he was coming out and throwing flames and then sat for a while and then came out like upper eighties with the fastball and then like like ripped off a couple that were like 94. So he's just mixing speeds and you you just don't know what you're gonna get from him. And the one word that I've used to describe Barrett was poised. He's been poised uh, on the Hill. And I think that just just ties into what you said about about them wanting to be in that moment and holding their composure and wanting the game on the line, that type of stuff. Um, What about Welch? Because Nick's been around a while. He's pitched in a regional. Hasn't had too many huge moments. But so far this year, I mean... Welch, eight and a third innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, and nine Ks. And he's been up there at 94, 95 with the fastball.
2: Yeah. I mean, kind of the guy that we, we wanted to see and expected to see for, for a couple of years. And, um, I think he's turned his, his breaking ball into a real threat. Um, he was throwing a lot, mixing the change up a lot against Cal Poly, um, throwing a lot of strikes. Um got a got a a, a subtle nickname from checks called the clinic when he was going ball to strike curveballs so well a couple outings ago. So that has been floating around the staff. Start calling the clinic. Um but he's also a guy that's just been around. You know, he he's he's got the experience. He knows what to expect. He knows that if he does what he's supposed to do, good things generally happen. Um and to have another guy that's been comfortable in it um really helps the bullpen and really helps you know if a starter does blow up or you know starter goes in the, the game and then we need to get pass it off to to ben brook or a whiting that he can get us there and, and um, i think his versatility out of the pen is really um, unique as well because he can go you know two three four innings and he can also come and, and blow it out for one inning and be a, be a setup guy so um that versatility that he brings to our bullpen is is Really um really exciting when it comes to a weekend series.
0: So I, I want to give some other guys this the shout out their names because you know the staff as a whole has been has been performing well. You know, Brady Huddleston got two wins in surprise Arizona. You know, he's he's two and oh, he hasn't allowed a run yet in five and two thirds. Jed DeCuman's had a couple of good appearances. He's coming off arm surgery and and missed all of last year. Uh, like he goes, I, I call it a Scooby-Do changeup. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, where it's just like weird things happen when he throws it. Like the lefty uh, spinning out of the way of it and taking strike three. Like it spun him into the ground, front door changeup. So that was cool to see yesterday. Uh, and then Schreier, like it seems like you, you guys struggle to figure out where to put defenders against Schreier because his, his pitches do so many weird things and batters do unexpected things when they make contact right with with Alex
2: <laughs> totally agree it's it's uh he's got a lot of movement and it's a very different look than uh than most pitchers and, and like you said I don't, I don't think hitters generally know what to do with it and so they kind of make contact and it's a roll over ground ball here shot through that side or a you know capper over the second baseman's head and um uh, you know, I think, yeah, that's just one of those things where if, if he I think he's a little up even yesterday, but um, he pitches down in that zone and stays stays uh, keeping those counts and, and pitchers counts. I think that, you know, he has a lot of success. So it's it's been fun to see him kind of get rolling. I still think he's going to get better and um, really hit his stride as we get moving towards the middle of the season here. Uh, but I, I, I think, you know, that was Elliot's first outing um yesterday and and one of the most exciting things for me and, and what we're trying to do with this pitching staff but you know he goes out there and, and you 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 got the scooby-doo change up but everybody felt that and the pitching staff was like you know getting excited like oh they're like, you like know, one's when's he gonna
0: throw it in. yeah the, the of- <laughs> uh,
2: that
0: makes it fun yeah so
2: that was that was fun so you know i, I think that yeah we're we're doing really good as individuals and we're we're doing really good um with our individual stuff, but it's fun to see guys get excited for each other and and want the success for each other um, and, and that's something that I think makes us and is gonna make us really really good down the stretch
0: a couple other guys uh, sam whiting he's uh he's leading the team in appearances he's got to save. Uh, and he's you know got the fastball in the mid 90s with the slider and then and then Michael Rice like Michael was so essential to the Gauchos last year and he's been dealing with some stuff but he's you know thrown two scoreless innings so we will probably see more uh, of Michael Rice and like the the dichotomy of talking about offense versus versus pitching like offense there's there's nine guys in the lineup and they're playing defense and there's just there's just so much more interaction and like they're they're feeding off each other like you got to get a single to get a guy on or a walk and then someone's got to hit him in like there's this there's this different dynamic with offense compared to pitching where it's like how do you get in a rhythm pitching when there's just one guy out there at a time uh throwing the baseball so what are ways that you try and generate as a coach you try and generate that that camaraderie amongst the fellow pitchers because, you know, only one guy can be in there in the big spot. Right. And so there's this competition for those roles. And, you know, we've seen moments where guys get frustrated when they're not in there or, uh, you know, want to be in there um, or don't get the opportunities. Like we see that, like it's going to happen. So how do you generate that camaraderie amongst the pitching, amongst the pitching staff where it's like, all right, these are the roles. These are the requirements to fill in order to get those roles and keep everybody, you know, working together on the same path? That's a good question, Kev. (laughs) Uh,
2: I think that uh, a lot of coaches would like to know that. I I don't know that I have the exact answer to that, but a a couple things is, one, I would say don't hide it. Um, Obviously the best guys are going to pitch, and the guys that have success are going to pitch, and the guys that aren't, it's hard it's hard to continue to work and to continue to improve yourself as you're not getting as many innings. You know, I've been talking with that about with Michael Rice a lot, like you're close, man, you're, you're close. You're, you're getting better, but we got to keep climbing as the season's going and, and and keep working and keep putting our head down. Um, And the, and the next thing that I've, I've told some guys, you get an opportunity, you know, once a weekend or every couple of weeks, whatever it is, but, for that next outing right so they're in there trying to to strike out the side so that they can go out and pitch the next game too um, and I think that that loses a little bit of focus with what they're trying to do and, and, and takes away from being present and, and executing their game so um, you know it, those guys that, that haven't got in much are thinking about the time where they they gave up the hit the time before or they're thinking about I got to do really good right now so that I can pitch again in a week um Or next weekend, and that's a hard. It's hard to stay present, and and you know that's kind of where I've talked about the um, being mentally strong and and that mental toughness of, of being a competitor is that's what you have to do, and and that's how you get the next opportunity is being present. And you know, I, I joke around with I joked around with some hitters early and, and some pitchers around to 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 break it down, but that same type of thing. I was like, it's, it's kind of easier as a hitter to go zero for four and just skip the next day right? If you're, if you're a pitcher and you, you walk a couple guys and give up a couple of hits and give up four runs, it's a lot harder to get back in that rotation. Um, so I think kind of understanding that is, is hard. And, um, but I think just having those real conversations about, about what, what's real and what the situation is. And, um, I think that, uh, we trust a lot of our guys and, and like, I've been saying all, 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 pod, but we have a lot of good stuff. Um, um, as individuals and when it's your time just go do what you can do and that's go out and fill it up and attack and um, execute your game and, and that's usually what leads to the next one not not worrying about the past or the or the future but really really and that's the hardest thing is at all the hard, hardest part of it all is, is just being present in that moment for for that outing
0: it's a good answer thank you for that that was, <laughs> that was a good answer uh Okay, so let's go to let's go to pitch clock. Talked about it with Ferg cuz it's it's definitely it's definitely noticeable through the first 15 games. Is it? At least as a broadcaster, I think I have noticed it.
2: Just cuz you don't have as much time to hear yourself talk.
0: That's one thing. Yes. <laughs> and 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 coach Bronsman doesn't have as much time to talk either. <laughs> he- <laughs> it's, easy. it's easy. You got to you got to speed it up a little bit. <laughs> I I noticed it right away in game one against Minnesota, where I'm 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 trying to set things up and 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 review last year and talk about these guys and and like oh well these these pitchers are coming in a lot faster. You know, like three innings in, I noticed. <laughs> and there there have been some games that have, you know, if if the starters are in a groove or if the pitchers are in a groove. That it just it just kind of goes like, I mean that, the Xavier game on Sunday, where we had the rain delay. We spent all that time at the field waiting and getting ready and all that stuff, and then the game lasted like just a shade under two hours. So I think it it definitely is speeding up the game, a little bit. McGreevy used to do that all the time. So I know, but but like you just had to wait for McGreevy to pitch in order to all right, we're gonna have a fast game today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Gouchers have always pitched with tempo. So I don't think it comes as quite a shock to this program, but what have you noticed with, with the pitch clock and how it's affected the just the general feel of the game from the dugout from the pitching standpoint?
2: I would say, I think I told you about this before the pod, but you're not going to like my take. I got, I got two no, things I'm here. Waiting one, for this. one, I think that in the fall, I felt more rushed and more hurried because we were almost pushing the envelope too much to get ready for it. Um, so I think we were even early on some of our time. So I think that we feels like we have more time on the mountain to deliver pitches and, and all that. Um, but i think that if we get our our signs in and and have our good routine or or doing our thing it's it's just the flow of the game um and and my my real take on it right now is like i'm done talking about it it is what it is now like we're a month season right now nice and and it's it's the rules that exist like (laughs) let's just be done talking about it because we have to there's not an umpire that's going to listen to you whine there's not a if a guy goes out there and doesn't produce, you're not going to say, well, you know, it's a new rule this year. We're going to we're we'll get a try next time. No, it's the rules, and that's what they are, and uh,
0: let's just move on because
2: that, that that doesn't help us any.
0: Hot take. Let's stop talking about it.
2: Uh, in, in all reality, that's how I do feel about it. You know, we've had – I think we had one. Newman got punched out on one and, you know, maybe a ball call this week. But other than that, we haven't really been affected by it. Um, But I also think that's because we don't allow it to be a thing because it shouldn't be. It's a rule of the game. Maybe they change it next year. Maybe they make amendments to it, but it is what it is. Let's play baseball.
0: I like it, Dill. It's excellent. It's an excellent response. I, I like your answer. Is that a surprise? Like, I, I like your answer. I know like part of my job is supposed to talk about things and like, Oh, like, people want to know like what's what's it like? I mean you don't have twenty seconds to throw the pitch. Well, I mean we've the gouches have, have pitched with tempo, like I said, like we we try and keep the tempo going. That's kind of been one of the MO's. But yes, I agree. We we've we've stated it and now we can move on. And it's a rule <laughs> of the game. And that and that goes with a lot of things and this this is going off the rails, but it goes with a lot of things with changing rules and the way things are done on in multiple facets where it's all right, that's, we're making this adjustment for these reasons and it was decided. So let's move on and we'll move on. Yeah, now. I think the more, that, Go ahead.
2: the more that we talk about it and make it a thing, the more we talk about it and make it the thing
0: that's, you know, it's when it doesn't really have to be a thing.
2: It's the same thing. We had, we had switched times between innings a couple years ago. You know, we have all different rules that come into play. And I think that we just, they're the rules. So I know people don't like them. I know people do like them. I know that whatever, there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about it, but it feels like baseball has been in, in a better place with better tempo and better times. And feels like we're still doing almost everything that we did before.
5: Uh, I
0: agree. I agree. And that's, yeah, and that—that's one thing I say with Ferg is it still feels like baseball. Like it's going to slightly better tempo, and, but it's still baseball. Uh, fortunately, we've been able to play baseball. It, it baseball players, like pitchers, like you guys, are on routines, right? There's a there's a pitcher schedule for the week. This is when you're doing long tosses. When you're lifting. This is when you're throwing a short box. This is when you're throwing a bullpen. This is like you know ahead of time for for most guys, like when they're going to pitch or what their day is going to be where they're expected to, to go into the game to be ready to pitch, to compete. And with having to play double headers and move games up and skip days and then push games back, like how has that affected? Maybe not how has that affected, how have the guys responded to that type of stuff i know we touched on it but maybe not in this specific manner with having to move things around like how much how much uh do you and checks have to be aware and and think about like all right this guy through this day this guy through that day we need to move him over here we need to throw a pen this day like all that stuff that goes in like how have you guys been able to manage that with all of the schedule changes
2: Oh yeah, I would say checks does a lot of the heavy lifting on uh, as far as you know when guys' routines are through the week and and what kind of they need on the side to to get there. Um, and then I think it's just a lot of communication between the players and us of hey, I need a day here, I'm ready to go. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a lot of talking, a lot of a lot of interaction, and, and a lot of you know checking in on guys because. Um, we have had some, some, uh, unorthodox scheduling, I guess, to say, to say the least, uh, here moving forward. But I I think that one of the things that helps is some of the depth in the bullpen, right? We don't have to bring back guys early and, um, we can give them time as needed. And we, we have multiple guys that can do multiple things. And, um, that's just kind of, kind of staying ready and, and working through it, obviously. It's a, it's a process and we have to do that all the time anyway you know weekends are always a little weird and not everything's going to be perfect um as, as far as the planning and, and, and game planning and, and um, practice planning goes but I just think it's a it's a matter of taking into account what everybody's been doing and, and taking into account you know what we see in the week to come and kind of <laughs> figuring it out as we go uh, 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 a little bit so
0: well, everybody's on the same path. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody wants to get better. Everybody wants to compete. Yes, and so it's it's really a, a collective effort, and it's great to be a part of. And so far, so good. Gotcha's twelve and three going into conference play, which starts at the end of this week. Cal State Bakersfield coming to town uh, for three games. Hopefully, we play those on a regularly scheduled uh, calendar, Dill friday saturday and sunday i think i kinda hope we don't. i kind of hope we don't at this point
2: let's just keep bringing <laughs> right? the chaos let's just keep just you know playing it by ear and <laughs> figuring out ways to do it i'm I'm ready for that it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be all, all all scheduled all nice and neat let's just let's just get through and, and have a little grit a little toughness through it
0: anytime anywhere any day right yeah oh yeah <laughs> all right uh thanks dj I appreciate you. Your pitcher staff is doing an outstanding job, and I hope that they continue to do an outstanding job. All right. I hope they do too.
2: I appreciate you, Kev. This is my first time on the pod since your little hiatus. So it's good to have you back.
0: I'm, I'm happy as a clam. Every day I come to the yard, I'm just, I'm ecstatic and I constantly think about it. And so, are you coming
2: to the yard today? We got a little weather here. I don't
0: know if you're going to be happy as a clam today. Uh, hey, hey, the tarp's on the field, so it's okay. All right. All right. All, all my, all my things are covered. We're, we're good. So we just got to wait, <laughs> wait it out. You just got to wait it out. All right. That's Dylan Jones uh, pitching coach for the Gauchos. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Go Chos. UCSB analytics is here for the week four players of the week draft current standings after the week three vote and another coin flip uh, Kevin won the vote and after the coin flip Isaiah came in second and Devin came in third so current standings current standings uh, Kevin and Isaiah are tied for first with seven points and Devin is are you in are you in third place are you in second place 4 I'm in third I'm in third. third, yeah, third place. Don't worry,
3: don't worry. I, it's okay though. Long season. <laughs> All
0: right, I know it's been a long podcast, so we'll make this uh, relatively quick. But we will uh, draft our categories. It was a big week for the Gauchos. Um, five and oh. they have one seven straight overall, but wins against Pepperdine, Seton Hall, two against Cal Poly, and yesterday against LMU. And with five wins, there's lots and lots of guys to pick from. So this should be fun. It should be easy and it should be uh, good for the listeners because there were lots of great performances over the week. So since Devin came in last place in the vote this week, you get to pick first. Uh, I think I realized I need to stop picking heads for coin flips. Does it not work Right, a couple of times? That's right. Isaiah went tails two weeks in a row and he's two for two. All right. Uh, so, Player First of the week,
3: I got I, Ivan Bretauer. Um on hmm. these five games. He was hitting 333, 430 batting average, 905, slugging, which is 721, three home runs, eight RBIs and six total extra base hits. And then he like he had three massive moments, I think, over this last week. First game against Cal Poly, two home runs. Second game against Cal Poly, ninth inning go ahead double. And then LMU, he had like an ending blow, three-run home run to open the game back up Uh, at the end to just like, kind of solidify the win. And I think him having three massive moments in five of those games makes him my offensive player of the week.
0: Nice. Nice hmm. addition to that because uh, when you see three homers and eight RBIs, that's kind of an easy first pick, but good job with the moments. Okay. Second pick is Isaiah.
5: Give me – Cash money AP Aaron Parker batting 476 and 21 at bats. He had 10 hits, two doubles, one homer. Yesterday it was against LMU, 8 RBIs, 50 total bases, slugging 714, no errors as well. And he also had one stolen base out of one attempt. So give me AP. It's going crazy this this season. Hopefully it continues.
3: He is going. I mean, yeah. I don't want to. That help your case, but he also had that game-winning RBI double against Seton Hall. I feel bad. like that's whoa, pretty. Whoa,
5: whoa, whoa!
3: Pretty <laughs> big moments moment Moments aren't here yet.
5: Moments aren't
0: here yet.
3: Dad. Come on. <laughs> I thought you. I thought you'd want to make your case for for everything, though. Hmm.
0: Devin's just, is. Just he's just trying, trying to give us extra moment. ideas. He's trying to give us extra ideas for for uh, the moment of the week. I but know. Just throwing all those things out there, because you know all, all these games and there's so many moments you forget some. Or maybe
3: he's trying to. Just, yeah, just like, I just, just want. No, I'm just trying to make sure that like he he's he's helping his case as much as possible. I thought like there's a pretty big thing to just leave out on talking about his offensive player of the week, but I, I guess I, I guess I won't do that anymore. I won't help him out on that.
5: <laughs> no, just spoiling my moment. <laughs> all
0: right, third pick. I'm going with uh, with Z, Xander Darby. Four doubles on the uh, on the week, and all four of his hits against Cal Poly and LMU were doubles. So shout out to Z, hit 350 for the week. Also had a triple. He had two runs batted in, 13 total bases. He slugged 650, and he swiped three bags. So that's uh, my player of the week, Sander Darby. Nice job, Z. And he's holding it down at third base, holding it down at third base, um, getting extra base hits. Yeah, okay, I,
3: so- I, I got some I got some quick honorable mentions just because it felt like we had a very Great yeah, offense over of, these last five games. So there's tons of people. And I'm for sure I'll leave some out, but some that stuck out to me was Sebring. He hit five hundred over the last five games. Um he's had some massive big hits. Like I'm pretty sure he had a or he had a massive triple yeah, against the triple you yeah, sure. Yep. Yep. Corey Nunez, he like he's not very loud with it, but he hit a sneaky three sixty eight. And it's just it's just a bunch of singles he gets on. He had six runs for us. Um I think he only had one extra base hit. That's why he's not always chosen and then currently i mean after that i think it was the first game at cal poly i think four for five or something like that i mean looks like yeah it should like have been five back. for
0: five should have been five yeah. for five because that that liner he hit to right center just took a left turn and right to the center fielder steals it was weird so he could have yeah, i mean five
3: but good sign though looks like he's hopefully starting to come back to what he was last
0: year so some exciting stuff from our offense yeah, sorry, Corey Nunez. First week that you're not picked for the uh, offensive <laughs> player of the week, but yeah, somehow he's 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 in there, hitting 368, seven hits, couple ribbies. <laughs> uh, and I'll add, uh, I'll add Mortenson. He had the five RBI game in game two against Cal Poly, so good to see him break out and and have a moment. Also, Josh Williams, I had three for seven, two doubles. You know, he had. He had three hits in, in the games against Cal Poly. So, good to see J-Dub J doing it. Okay, second category, Pitcher of the Week. And I get to pick first. And be, because I pick first, I get a fair advantage by picking the guy who made two starts and has the uh, the the best stats. Tyler Bremner, 2-0 and in those two starts. 1.64 ERA, 11 innings, five hits, two runs, two walks, 16 strikeouts. He beat Pepperdine and he beat LMU, and he had a streak of 11, uh, 12 straight scoreless innings between his first start against Oregon State, or after his first start against Oregon State, uh, and when he gave up the runs yesterday against LMU. So, uh, Brem coming into his own in his freshman year, and he got two wins this week. So that's my pitcher of the week, Tyler Browner. Isaiah. Alright,
5: I'm going to take the second starter against the first starter against Seton Hall, Mikey Gutierrez, going seven innings, 1.29 ERA, only giving up one run in the seven innings. Got nine Ks and only allowed one walk, so nine strikeouts to one walk. Couldn't put it together. And, I mean, only limited or double. Ed kept us in the game for a while because we were scoreless for so long. So that's huge out of Goody keeping us in the game while our offense struggled a little bit during the game as well.
0: Pulling a a Devin trick out, going the nine yeah, to one strikeout to walk ratio there.
5: Shot at the dead first thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, I might I might pull that one
3: out with the third pick right here, Hudson Barrett. <laughs> um, heck yeah, two two great outings for us. Um, one and oh, he got a win against uh Cal Poly, and he also got a save. I th- it was against um. Seaton Hall. Hall. Yeah, against Seton Hall, four innings pitch, seven strikeouts, one walk, so a seven-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio. <laughs> Zero batting average against, 0. 0.25 whip, and no runs allowed. And, I mean, that first game was, was, was massive. The save came in, runner first and second, pass ball, now second and third, no outs, and then he gets the strikeout. And then a great – gets the ground ball with a great play from Oakley and AP to get the runner out going home and then the fly ball. And then he came in and did his job against Cal He gave us three shutout innings. And so I think the combination of all of that makes him my pitcher of the week.
0: Good pick. Good pick. Gouchers, they they hit and they they pitched this week as well. So uh, any honorable mentions? Uh, Nick Welch, five shutout innings in two appearances, two hits, four strikeouts, no walks for Welchie. Ben Brooke was outstanding, three and two-thirds. One hit, one walk, three strikeouts, got the win against uh, Galpali and uh, and Elliot Gallegos making his first appearance of the year, going one, two, three, couple of strikeouts against LMU. Moment of the week. Lots of moments to pick from. Lots of moments to pick from here. I, I mean, I think this might be one that
3: none of you guys have on your list, but I think the bullpen 17 inning scoreless streak. I think that's something that kind of got swept under the rug that not a lot of people mm-hmm. know about unless they were listening to the broadcast. But, I mean, our bullpen went 17 innings without giving up a run. And then, um, unfortunately, last night we gave up some. But, I mean, that's that's a almost it's almost two games straight of our bullpen coming in and just dominating. And over these past five games, 1.26 ERA from them. So I just really impressed it from them. So 17 innings scoreless streak from our bullpen is my moment of the week.
0: Nice job, Dev. You must have talked to Dylan because we talked about that this morning in the earlier recording that the listeners heard. He was speculating if we could get the bullpen stats and then you ring out the bullpen stats. <laughs> Didn't share I, them with us. I mean, that was a moment. I only shared the
3: hardest hit ball and the best pitches <laughs> with you guys. I think I was listening to one of the like rewatching like an ESPN broadcast or I overheard someone say, I think might have been the LMU broadcaster last night. I think I heard him say it, so it stuck with me.
0: Yeah. Well, 12, 12 straight scoreless innings on Sunday against Cal Poly alone from the bullpen, so nice work. Okay, Isaiah, moment of the week.
5: As Dev said earlier, AP's game-winning double against Cal Paul, I didn't want to mention it in offensive, but it got mentioned. Luckily, it still came back to me. So, yeah, give me AP's game-winning double. We're losing 1-0 for the longest time believe it happened in the seventh inning. It's always good to take the lead late and then just steal a win from somebody that thinks that they're going to take the game when the couches are always playing nine around here.
0: Okay. Good pick. I There's lots of them that are on the offensive side. <clears throat> and then there's some that are with, have to do with pitching that are going through my head but I'm going to go with the defense for my moment of the week. And I'm going to go with the Oakley play to the plate to gun down the tying mm-hmm. run in the ninth inning against Seton Hall. Cause you know, defense we'll just be picking Oakley
3: defensive plays of the week, every week now. It seems well, right. yeah, he had the, the diving catch
0: against, 13. against, against Oregon. And he had uh, the great play to the plate. I mean, it's, it was bang, bang required a good throw to, you know, lead Newman into the tag. And that was the game I think it was, run. Was it AP, AP catching? A P was catching. Was it AP? I believe okay. AP was yeah, catching. Yeah. Regardless of who was catching, still required a good throw, and that's the game tying run in the ninth inning. So it's a it's a game winning play uh, on defense. Uh, so that's my moment of the week. It was at home game one of the series. We thought we might play more against Seton Hall. And you know, they played the Gauchos tough in that one game. Uh, where we saw them so that was a big moment uh to win the first game of the series cuz that's really what that's what you want to do in game one of the series it's, it's important and route to winning series i'm just rambling on here so let's yeah. go to the next yeah, winning game one of one <laughs> winning game <laughs> one of one yes we're on one point <laughs> streak there you go okay o- over to hardest hit ball of the week hardest hit hardest hit and I get to pick first. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> like the the bread hour stuff, and I've talked I talked about this on the on the broadcast. He's so much fun to have on this team because he just hits these rockets, like the double that he hit against Cal Poly off Kyle Scott, which is my hardest hit ball of the week, hundred and ten point six eight miles per hour. And it just, it was on a lot. Li- I mean, we say on a line. I mean, this one was just like steals had no chance. Like he thought it was going to be in a spot and he got to the spot and it was over his head, you know, 400 and 400 feet away out there in left center. And that was a, uh, a game winning hit because it was in the ninth inning. Oh, we got chatter in the background. That's okay. <laughs> we'll keep it in. We'll keep it in. So that's why – that's my hardest hit ball of the week. It was the Sorry. hardest hit ball of the week, 110.68, uh, the double in the ninth inning in game two against Cal Poly. Ivan Bred hour. Send it. Isaiah?
5: All right. Give me – you know, we never got this guy offensively. He's always defensively. We're going to cool him offensively this week. Give me Oakley's two-run homer yesterday against LMU going off 106 probably not the hardest that was up there but as well as it got the game going for us 2-0 later early on and you know let's show love to oakley offensively too much defensive stuff for oakley let's get him in offense
0: there we go yeah started the scoring and it was his first homer of the year so and at 106 i mean that's 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 pretty that's hard pretty hard yes
3: uh, so with the third pick, I, sin- I think since I'm like dead last, I need to hold on to a little bit of information that I don't give you. So I didn't give you guys the distances on some of them. <laughs> so I'm going with. So there's one that was hit harder than 110. No, 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 no. The- all the oh. exit bellows are there, but I didn't give okay. you the distances. Ivan's home run at LMU was 100- hit 106 off the bat, and it was our farthest hit home run on the year at That's 440 up. feet, which is about. It was about like eight inches farther than I think it. I think it's either Trimble or Sunstrom that leads us with like four thirty nine. So, I am going Ivan's home run last night at LMU because it was hit one one hundred six, which is
0: insane. And two, it was our farthest home run of the season.
5: Had kind a of backflip too.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I when he hit it, and then you guys shared that it was one hundred six along with Oakley's. I I thought to myself, no way, it was definitely harder than one hundred six. I mean that one was a missile.
3: I I mean that's what that's what the Trackman says. And, and, mm-hmm. Well, I don't like to argue with the Trackman, so it gives us accurate info. We can't
0: we can't argue against the Trackman. Not here, not in this circle. Can't argue against it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, let's see. Yeah. So Kurt Kurtley's uh, Kurtley had a single that was hit 110. Brett, I mean Brett Hour just is his name is just littered on this list. It's everywhere. His uh his double against Niskern, he had a single against Niskern, the starter for Pepperdine last week, both 109. Uh, Kirtley's home run was 108. Yeah,
3: I, th- I think there's Kirt- yeah, so Kirtley, to that.
0: like Kirtley and Brett are dominating the uh, the top six spots. And then Jonas Sebring, uh, he had the next three uh, on yes. that list. or next two, beg your pardon. And then Brett Hour again. So those guys are dominating the hard hit category. Pitch of the week. All right. Pitch of the week. I
3: mean, me personally, I think it's pretty obvious. I'm going with Gallegos' changeup.
0: Yeah, yeah, Last night
3: he comes in and he throws it six times. He gets two strikeouts, both strikeouts being off of that. And he threw 100% for a strike. He got a whiff on it two out of the three times. And then I think it's also one of the first times I've ever seen a – Right or was it was a lefty hitter? I think a lefty hitter flinch and buckle off of a right-handed pitcher's changeup. Twice had, yeah, twice back-to-back pitches had twenty-two to twenty-seven inches of horizontal break. Basically, a lefty sweeping slider from a right-handed pitcher. Guys, 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 it's a screwball.
0: It's a screwball. Come on, sorry, sorry. that much break (laughs) going the opposite (laughs)
3: direction. It's a screwball, right? Na- nastiest screwball, I guess that I've is... ever seen. I might, and it was just it. It was awesome to see him come out and just throw that disgusting pitch. I mean, I had I had people texting me like like how like like asking for his nuts as nice they were watching the broadcast. That's cool. So, uh, yeah, guy guy goes his up. Nice best Man. pitch of the week.
0: All right, Isaiah.
5: There's no topping that, unfortunately, but. We're going to go with Barrett's fastball. Got 6Ks on the fastball. Barrett just being dominant, as he is always, coming out of the pen. As well, got 65% for a strike of the fastball, 65% of the whiff from the fastball, and no one even got a hit on the fastball. So we're going to give it to Barrett's fastball here.
0: Good pick. Topped out at 95.3. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he he, he looked great against Polly. And he's, he's been impressive so far earlier this year, really making a name for himself, pitching out of the pen. I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with Bremner because he was my pitcher of the week. So I'm going Bremner's fastball. Uh, I thought it was, it was electric against Pepperdine. Uh, He topped at 94.7. He threw it for a strike 72% of the time. He had uh, 12 of his strikeouts were on the fastball and it's, it's, in my opinion, it's the hardest pitch to hit. A well-located fastball is the hardest pitch to hit in baseball. And uh Bremner was was lights out with it in his starts this week. All right, good draft, fun week. Lots of uh lots of guys to pick from. Um hopefully we have more problems like this in the future. Uh just three games for next week's podcast. Gouches will be in big ba- uh here against Bakersfield to start Big West play. Um, hopefully more good numbers to talk about. Next week, all right. That's the draft. Go vote on the analytics Twitter page, SB Baseball Data. Uh, Vote for me, the host. Don't vote for Isaiah. Or or vote, you. vote, for, vote.
3: No, vote for me. Vote for me. If you <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't. I don't want pity votes. I don't want pity votes. Oh. I'll, I'll make this. I'll make it come back. No wonder
0: you're in last place. No wonder you're in last. No place. pity votes. No, don't worry.
3: Don't worry. I'll come back. It's going to, you guys watch big underdog right here. Underdog mentality.
0: Okay. All right. That'll, that'll wrap it up. Isaiah and Devin. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. All right. And we have one more thing to add. Isaiah went to the world baseball classic in Phoenix and we want to hear about it. So how'd you get there? What games did you go to and what was the experience like?
5: So we ended up leaving Friday morning because so uh, Thursday we played, scene hall. So I missed the Cal Poly games, missed the uh, yeah, just the Cal Poly games was there. Scene hall, but we left Friday morning. Got there Friday night. Took a uh, longer than we thought, and then we went to the game on Saturday where we played Great Britain, USA versus Great Britain. It was a, a little uh, how could I say, a little nerve wracking in the beginning because I mean this team's full of all stars MVPs and it just it, it
0: didn't look that good,
5: good in the beginning. You know, well, you're Thompson you're a USA,
0: going, yeah, you're a USA fan. At, and, at, that that Great game, Britain yes, at that game. Yeah. And Great Britain jumps out to the lead and you're going, oh yes,
5: that was a little scary. <clears throat> then you know USA, you know, finally got going, Schwarberbaum, Arenado double, you know, I recorded it a little live. So gotta see sometimes not record it. My friend recorded at times, so At times, I got to enjoy the game. Other times, I was recording for the camera. And then the experience, I would say like the the lines for food concessions, horrible. D-Backs hot dog, I give it a five. If you want to visit the D-Backs stadium. Five out of five? Food rating of a hot dog. Five out of ten. Oh, wow. Horrible. Horrible. And team shop, I don't think they suspected many people going because they ran out of stuff quick. It was wow. a long line to get a t shirt. I was scrambling to find a t shirt. Ended up getting one. Thank goodness. Got to my seat. Um, I don't know if the AC was broken first day, but it was hot as heck in there. My friends and I were sweating. Not it was cool to see baseball, but it was not cool to be sweating inside a stadium when it's the roof's enclosed too. And then yeah. Where, the next where day, were uh maybe, where were your seats? We'll go ahead. Where were your seats? seats. Uh, first game was middle section, so the two section two o five, row J. So like the middle of that two o five section of rows.
0: Pretty good. Where, like what? Sure. Third third base dugout. First. Uh, third, uh, <laughs> first
5: base. First base side of.
0: You don't know where two o five is, Kevin? No, yeah. I have no idea where two o five.
5: No, it's uh, first base side in between like first base and the wall of right field. Lower, lower level,
0: like middle or upper. Uh,
5: Middle, middle, middle. All right. So it wasn't nosebleed, but it wasn't like on the down on the field.
0: So those are, those are good seats. Were there uh, lots of, was it sold out
5: for Great Britain, USA? No, there was a lot of empty seats.
0: And then what was the the second game you went to?
5: Second game we did Mexico versus USA. That one was sold out. Electric. A lot of Mexico fans. I didn't know who to root for because I am Mexican, but then I'm also in the US. And I bought game one for USA, so I didn't know who to root for. So I just wanted offense that game. And if you didn't watch that game, well, Mexico like fully controlled that game as well. It was it was fun as a Mexican fan, being Mexican, but then like if you're US, like it was pretty bad for you because the mexico fans are going at a lot of usa fans
0: what was uh what was the atmosphere like
5: <laughs> it was fun honestly it was fun just the only thing i wish is that the u.s had no passion compared to mexico like mexico you could tell like they were playing for like everything and then you go to the u.s and they just look like they were bored they look like they don't want to be there compared to you Mexico. I mean, Thanks. a lot of USA fans were just not happy. Mexico fans were dancing like crazy, doing chants.
0: Team USA are we are fans, we got to step our game up. That's what it sounds like.
5: Yeah. It was every it was 80 per, I would say 70% Mexico fans. Wow. At
0: that wow. Well, that's a that's a really cool experience. I've I've, I've wanted to go to a game uh, I I don't think it's comparable to a World Cup game. I, I don't think they're in the same category yet.
5: No, unfortunately uh, not.
0: Not. Not, even, yes. not even close. Not even close. Um, but it's still cool that it's it's <laughs> growing and expanding and it's getting a lot of attention because I think international... I got the chance to play in a little international baseball tournament when I was in high school. Played teams from Japan, Brazil, Korea, Mexico. Like, it was really, really, really fun. Um, just because, you know, it's... It's different cultures, and, and each culture has their own version of the game, and so you get to see two versions of the game on the same field, which is really cool. And so I'm psyched that you got to have that experience, and I'm glad that you were able to share it with us. And um, we give the overall experience rating wise, Isaiah, yeah. out of ten.
5: Uh, overall, like, are we including like driving and like, or just the game? Once you got there. Once you got there. Once I got there, I would give it uh, eight and a half. I wish USA had more, more, uh, more passion. I guess you could say more like. It's on the line. Like, I don't know. It felt like they just didn't care.
0: More passion. Would and, you go back? And more t-shirts. Of course, yes. More
5: t-shirts. Uh, Definitely would go back. I mean, it's baseball at the end of the day. You're playing for your country, even though it was a little boring. Most likely will get better next one.
0: Okay. Good stuff. World baseball classic. Big Oach hanging out in Phoenix. Yes. So a good report. All right, hope you enjoyed that podcast. Uh, Lots of stuff to go over in that one, so thank you to Kyle's Kitchen. Thank you to Ivan and Brock. Thank you to Dylan. Thank you to Isaiah and Devin Cost. Uh, Three games coming up this week to start Big West play against Cal State Bakersfield. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. As of now, Tuesday afternoon, we are planning on playing those as scheduled we expect a little more rain coming maybe Saturday night but i don't think it'll be too bad so we will wait and see on if we will move the games at all but hopefully we're doing a, a regular non-delayed three game series this weekend against Bakersfield that's what's on tap got 12 and 3 they're starting to move into some of the rankings uh, across all of the the media outlets and they're, uh, have, they have a strong RPI position. It's bouncing around the mid-30s right now, so a good spot to be a quarter of the way through the season as we go into Week 5 and start conference play. Six home games before the road trip to St. Mary's and Fresno over spring break, uh, and then one more series uh, there, so Bakersfield, CSUN, and then the road trip. That's what's on tap for the Gauchos. Hope to see you out at Caesar Wasaka Stadium this weekend. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, My name is Kevin Cannon, and I hope you have a great week.